Today was a bit of a stressful game for all of us Cubs fans out there. It was, it basically came down to Jonathan VR, the shortstop slash third baseman of the Milwaukee Brewers, and Anthony Rizzo, the Cubs first baseman. Basically, it came down to who could hit more home runs, and unfortunately, Jonathan VR hit one more. But Anthony Rizzo, boy, did he ever get close to tying up in the ninth inning. Keon Broxton robbed Anthony Rizzo of the game-tying home run in the ninth inning. So if you didn't watch it, there's your your 30-second update for what happened today in Cubs baseball. And it was really kind of funny to watch that moment in the ninth inning because this game is in Milwaukee, right? So it's supposed to be a home game for the Brewers. Uh, but what happens, and you can go on MLB.com or, or probably even ESPN to watch the video, and what you'll notice is that when Anthony Rizzo hits this ball and the crowd anticipates what could possibly happen to this baseball, whether it was going to go over the fence or land in the glove of Keon Broxton, the center fielder of the Brewers, when it's in the air, the crowd is going crazy. Because if you look at the crowd, you'll notice it's not the Milwaukee Brewers shade of blue that is the dominant tone of the uniforms and the jerseys and the t-shirts that the fans came to the game wearing. Cubs blue was the dominant blue in the crowd. And you could hear that with what happened. When Anthony Rizzo hits this ball, all of the Cubs fans are roaring and the place is loud. And then when Keon Broxton makes the catch... There's this big O, you know, that big O sound that takes over a stadium whenever something astonishing happens, like the catch that Keon Broxton made to save the game. And so there's this big O from everyone, and then the Brewers fans are the only ones cheering, and it becomes so obvious how much more Cubs fans there were at this game than there were Brewers fans because the Cubs fans cheering when Anthony Rizzo hit this ball in the air was way louder than the Brewers fans after it was caught. Uh, so that was that was kind of funny, and that's really a tribute to all of you Cubs fans out there who apparently travel very, very well. And that is, especially for a team that's playoff bound, that is a very good thing. But moving on into today's topic, because although the Cubs have dropped two in a row to the Brewers, I think we all know their destiny lies in the same place. They're going to win the NL Central Division. But a lot of you raised a question yesterday after Jason Hamill struggled, which has become a bit of a trend in recent history. He started the year great, but has really had some problems over these last few starts that he's made. And so a lot of people have been wondering, maybe you're one of them, is Jason Hamill fit to be a part of this rotation come playoff time? And it is a legitimate concern because... Teams don't really take five starters into the playoffs. Usually you're going to take your best three or maybe your best four. But really, your top three are the guys who are going to get the starts. So that leaves Joe Madden and the rest of the Cubs organization with a decision to make. They need to choose out of the five guys who have gotten the brunt of their starts this season, and those, of course, are Jake Arrieta, John Lester, Kyle Hendricks, John Lackey, and Jason Hamill. Which of those are the three or the four that you want pitching in those big games come playoff time? And unfortunately, for Jason Hamill, his case, well, it's not looking good. If you look at Jason Hamill's season this year, overall it's been good, right? He has an ERA of three and a half. 
He's 14 and 8, for whatever that's worth. But when you dig a little bit deeper into Jason Hamill's season, you find that he has not been the same pitcher he was last year. And the difference is really illustrated by this one sabermetric statistic, which has become um, increasingly popular. Maybe you've heard of it, and it's called FIP. It basically attempts, if you're not familiar with it, it basically attempts to provide an estimate of what a pitcher's expected ERA would be given a number of their other statistics. So it evaluates the uh, number of home runs they've allowed, the number of walks, the number of strikeouts, etc. Puts all of that information together and it calculates what it would expect to be a pitcher's ERA. For Jason Hamill, his ERA is 3.5, as I mentioned, but his FIP, his expected ERA, is 4.38. 4.38, and that is below average, right? A 4.38 ERA for a starting pitcher is roughly, although not significantly, it is below average uh, in this league today. So when you look at that, you see Jason Hamill in a much different light, right? And what FIP stands for actually is fielding independent pitching. So, so a reasonable explanation could be that the Cubs defense, namely Jason Hayward, as he's really been flashing the leather uh, the past few games, and the Cubs, in general, they're a pretty solid defensive team, right? So it could be just a just a coincidence that Jason Hamill has happened to be bailed out of .88 runs per nine innings that he would have allowed had the Cubs' defense not saved him. So maybe that's why his FIP is 4.38. But when you look at his walk total, his walks per nine innings this season is 2.9. Last year was 2.1. His strikeouts per nine innings... Last year was 9.1, this year it's 7.5. These statistics are not trending in the right direction. And that tells you a lot about Jason Hamill and the kind of pitcher that he really is. But that's okay, right? It's okay for uh, a pitcher to maybe have some underlying sabermetric statistics that don't favor them as much. That's probably not adequate reason to toss someone from the playoff picture. But here's what you got to know about Jason Hamill. Jason Hamill, as of 2013, was a perfectly average starting pitcher in the major leagues. He was really nothing special. Now, maybe part of this was due to the fact that he spent a few years of his career from 2009 to 2011 in Colorado, which is, of course, a brutal hitter-friendly park. That definitely would not have helped Jason Hamill's case in any way. But if you look at his statistics, pretty much all throughout his career before he moved to Oakland, he was a perfectly average pitcher, right? Probably even slightly below average. He had an ERA of over 7 in his first 9 career starts in his rookie year in 06. He had an ERA of 614 the next year, then 460, 433, 481, 476. And then he had a good year in Baltimore where he had 20 starts, didn't pitch the whole season, but he had a 3-4-3, which is good, especially for the American League. But then he came back the next year and had a 4-9-7. So it really wasn't until his first few starts in Oakland where he pitched so well that people started realizing that maybe Jason Hamill was something more than an average to below average starting pitcher. So it's not like Jason Hamill has this long track record of success and we should overlook any of these sabermetric stats that I've been talking about. That doesn't work for him because he really doesn't have a track record of success. 
It's really just these last few years where he's proven to be something more than a number four, number five starter. But moreover, I think a pretty reasonable way to assess a pitcher's ability to compete in the playoffs is to look at how they've competed in the playoffs in the past. So looking at Jason Hamill's career statistics in the playoffs, he has had five starts, six games overall, so he pitched one game in relief, and these are his statistics. He is 0-2 with a 6.98 ERA, a 1.76 whip, and six and a half walks per nine innings. That is a lot of walks. That's 14 walks and 19 in the third innings. So to put it simply, he has really struggled in the playoffs in his career. And it's only five starts. It's a relatively small sample size. But he really has never had a good start except for looks like one in 2012 where he probably uh, pitched pretty well. Probably had one good start in 2012 in the playoffs when he was with Baltimore. But outside of that, in 09, he had a start with the Rockies. Went three and two-thirds innings, gave up four runs on four hits and three walks. Last year, he had a couple of starts. He went an inning and a third, gave up five runs against the Mets. And then he had another start against the St. Louis Cardinals. He went three innings and gave up two runs and was taken out immediately after that. This is not a guy that has a track record of performance in the playoffs or otherwise. And frankly, I don't really see his case for being on that postseason rotation to be a very good one. But maybe this is true of another starting pitcher, right? Maybe they have another guy who's even worse than Jason Hamill, in which case Jason Hamill maybe should be considered for that postseason spot in the rotation. So let's look at some other pitchers. Let's look at John Lackey. Now, John Lackey has an incredibly plentiful amount of postseason experience, which is, uh, you would think, probably a good thing. And it turns out that not only does he have the experience, but he has a track record of success in 20 starts, 23 appearances overall. John Lackey is 8-5 with a 3-1-1, 3-1-1 ERA in the playoffs. And that's across a number of different teams when he was with the Angels, the Red Sox, and the St. Louis Cardinals of last year. So, John Lackey has a track record of success. And if you look at his statistics really before even last year, John Lackey has never been one of your really premier starting pitchers. He's had a couple seasons that really stood out, 07 with the Angels, he was 19-9 and with a 3.01 ERA. He's never been really an ace-caliber starter outside of potentially that season. But he has pitched extremely well for the Cubs this season. He's got a 3.36 ERA. His FIP is 3.68, which is a little higher, but still certainly reasonable and still good. So looking at John Lackey's performance this year and his performance in the past... I think it's safe to say that he should be one of those guys who gets the ball come playoff time. So what about Jake Arrieta? This is a no-brainer, right? Jake Arrieta is going to pitch in the playoffs no matter what anybody says. And as much as he's struggled this year more than he has in years past, he's a guy you want on the mound when you have a game that you really need to win. 
One note about Jake Arrieta, if you're wondering why he hasn't been the same pitcher, like what is the reason behind his ERA jumping over a full point, right? It was 177 last year, now it's 284. So what happened? Here's what happened. Jake Arrieta is, and this is actually exactly the same. He is exactly the same hit preventer this year as he was last year. 5.9 hits per nine innings. That's excellent. That was the best in the league last year. That is the best in the league this year. That has not changed. What has changed with Jake is his control. He has 67 walks in 174 innings, whereas last year he had 48 walks in 229 innings. That is a huge difference. And I think that right there pretty much explains all of Jake Arrieta's struggles this year. He's still virtually unhittable, but it is possible to reach base this season because he struggled so much with the walk. But regardless, Jake Arrieta is in the playoffs rotation. I think we all know that. Moving on to John Lester now. John Lester is a prize when it comes to playoff performance. He has had almost as much playoff experience as John Lackey has. He's had 14 starts, 16 appearances overall, and he has a 2.85 ERA with a 107 whip in the playoffs, covering 98 innings, almost 100 innings of work he's logged in the playoffs with the Red Sox and the Oakland Athletics and the Chicago Cubs last season. So this is a guy that you want taking the ball maybe even in your biggest game. If there's a game that the Cubs have to win in the playoffs, I would not be surprised if John Lester is the guy that Joe Madden wants on the mound. He has a 2-6-1 ERA, which is best on the team outside of Kyle Hendricks, and he has such a long track record of success both in the playoffs and just in the regular season overall. Kyle Hendricks, the last guy I just mentioned him, he has a 207 ERA this year which leads the National League, and it leads all of baseball. A 207 ERA. And if you're wondering, his FIP is 3.37, which is significantly higher than the 207 ERA, right? It's still good. 337 FIP, that's an expected ERA of 3.37. That's still good, but it's nothing like 2.07, right? So what that tells you is that Kyle Hendricks has likely gotten pretty lucky this season comparatively still I'm not saying he's not a good pitcher he's had an excellent season overall and sometimes pitching under your FIP is a skill that pitchers have some pitchers are able to do that consistently Kyle Hendricks has done that throughout his career overall his career ERA is 2.94 his career FIP is 3.35 so he has shown the ability to do that but this season alone I think it's safe to say Kyle Hendricks will probably never have an ERA this low again. He may never have an ERA under 2.8 ever again. I don't think this is your number one starting pitcher. So as much as I like Kyle Hendricks, especially in the home games, because he has been so phenomenal at home, I don't think you want Kyle Hendricks going in that big game if it's on the road. If there's a big game that the Cubs need to win on the road, I don't know if Kyle Hendricks is your guy. Just because... He's been so much better at home than he has on the road. Not to say he hasn't been good on the road. He still has an ERA of 309. But if you look at his statistics at home, he is 9-1 with a 1-2-1 ERA. That's virtually unhittable. 
And I think he could be a super valuable asset if the Cubs can find a way to keep his starts at Wrigley Field. So now we've gone through every Cubs pitcher there is. So returning back to the question that I posed at the beginning of this episode. Has Jason Hamill pitched himself out of a spot in the rotation in the postseason? Yes, Cubs fans, it seems he has. Thanks for listening to today's edition of the Curse Reversed Podcast. You can connect with the show on Twitter at at curse underscore reversed. That's at curse underscore reversed. Give us a follow and let's have a conversation about the Chicago Cubs. You can also find the show on iTunes and on SoundCloud. If you go on iTunes and you leave a review, I would really appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more tomorrow about the Chicago Cubs.